From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for NextGen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the NextGen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Hey, NextGen, it's Alana Phillips. I am here with Dr. Matt Gorin, who's an assistant professor of financial planning at the American College of Financial Services. Thanks for continuing the conversation with us, Matt. Of course. Thanks for having me back. It is a pleasure. So you, as a professor, have a lot of influence over our next generation of financial advisors, planners, other roles within the industry. And I'm sort of curious, in this curriculum that you have, how much are you talking about retirement planning? There's sort of this myth in the industry, you have to work with pre-retirees and retirees to be successful. So what does that look like in your curriculum? In our curriculum, which is modeled after the CFP board's learning objectives, there's a tremendous amount of retirement planning in pretty much every single one of our courses. And that's because at least historically, retirement planning was central to the financial planning engagement. The vast majority of clients who sought our services were people in their 40s or 50s beginning that process of pre-retirement. So of course, that's where the advisors went. That's where the money was. And we needed an education that spoke to those issues. But pre-retirement, those 40, 50, 60-year-olds, that's not it anymore. That's not the only group of people who are looking at hiring a financial advisor. So our curriculum also includes content that speaks to a younger audience. And that younger audience are the people that I served myself when I was a financial advisor. I was working with people about 35 years old and retirement was the furthest thing from some of their minds. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. I think about myself in this bucket, Matt, of, you know, I'm 28. I, I don't think about retirement at all other than the fact that every single day I'm in this industry and, and we talk about it. But there's a lot of things that I go to my financial advisor about and ask questions, you know, in salary negotiations or should I buy or rent a house, right? There's so much there. So how do you help the, you know, young professionals, that you're teaching to really develop the skills to have those conversations that aren't necessarily retirement focused. From our very first course, we talk about life cycle theory, that the issues faced by people are different over our lifespan. And someone who's in their 20s, like you were saying, salary negotiations and raising your income is probably the most important thing. When to buy a house as you're getting in your late 20s, 30s, that's another huge issue. If we're working with those clients, we want to focus on those things. And of course, we're talking about debt management and cash flow planning. We're talking about beginning investing for the first time. How do you leverage things like Roth IRAs, which are probably really good for young people? There's all sorts of content that we pull in. I think I'll say a limitation of any CFP program is it doesn't focus maybe as much as it could on working with those young people, those 20-something-year-olds. You are yourself a financial advisor. There's lots of people coming out of college with financial planning degrees who I think are trying to figure out how do I reach these folks and what are the issues that they're facing because your traditional CFP program gives you just a little bit, just like a hint or a flavor of the issues faced by these people. Shout out to the CFP program, I guess, about upgrading some of this content to be more focused on our, our next generation of clients. But I guess, Matt, I, I want to kind of take a step back there because 
historically, these have been the only financial planning clients in the industry are these older, you know, pre-retirees, retirees. Why has this shifted, do you think, where we are now talking about younger clients and how to work with them? If we go back to the beginnings of financial planning as a real profession, which may be only to the 70s, the only clients that we were working with were these older folks. They had more money so we could charge off of their assets under management. They had higher incomes. So if you were charging off of income, you could go that way or they you know, had more cash flow to pay us. And the needs that were being addressed were mostly those retirement-focused needs. As the industry changed and developed new business models that could work with younger people as it was talking about other issues that work for the mass market, then we've got clients saying, hey, these people are now offering me something that's interesting or appealing. I can go and, and work with them. And I think the industry itself has recognized yeah, these people as individuals in their 20s might not have as much money, but the tens of millions of them collectively do have some money. This is a massive untapped market. What do they want? What do they care about? And how can we get them to be our clients? And that is a sea change that we're living through right now. This is all kind of a brand new, interesting time, particularly for our next-gen advisors who are best equipped to serve those people. Our next-gen advisors know what it's like to be in your 20s. They know what it's like to be in your 30s and those issues that their clients are facing, issues that a 60-something-year-old advisor might not really have empathy for. So those next-gen folks are really well-positioned for this new untapped market, and there's a lot of potential. I agree. And I think something that is about our generation that what makes us good makes us bad. We talk about everything, right? And we post it on social media and sometimes we probably shouldn't share those things, but it lends itself to really deep conversations with next gen clients that we're not afraid to talk about even the non money specific stuff, right? It's all the things that are sort of adjacent to money. Like you said, the salary negotiation, side hustle, should I buy a house? Should I go back to grad school, right? All of those sorts of things. It's a different conversation altogether because of that. So Matt, you mentioned this, right? How do you actually make a business out of it as we see this business model changing? Historically, the only compensation models that were really popular were assets under management, so some percent fee of someone's assets that they have invested, or commissions on different products, like life insurance or disability insurance products, mutual funds, annuities, that sort of thing. And that was it. If you're not selling those products, at least not en masse or in large enough dollar values, you're not collecting enough commissions. If they don't have that many assets to manage, those AUM fees are pretty bad. And more recently, we've seen two new business models or revenue models that I think have really opened up the mass market for financial planning. One of those is the subscription type or retainer type. The client is paying, say, $250 a month or whatever it is every single month. That translates into $3,000 a year, which is not high by the standards of some AUM client, but in terms of, say, an hourly rate, that can be uh, substantial enough. If you package together 30, 40, 50 clients, that starts to add up. And then we've also got a percent of income compensation model, 
One that I've seen is particularly popular when you're working with the Henry's, the high earners, not rich yet group. So your young doctors, young professionals who maybe have negative net worth because of student loans are not investing much of anything, but they're making $200,000, $300,000 a year. If you can charge 1% of that, there you are again, you're right back at that, say, two, $3,000 a year that makes serving those clients profitable. That makes a lot of sense, Matt. And it's nice that there is this flexibility. We see some other ways to make this business side of things work. I'm going to pause this here. This is a great place to take a quick break. Deliver financial planning for every person and every need through our Chartered Financial Consultant Education Program. Find the tools and skills you need at theamericancollege.edu slash chfc. The American College of Financial Services is dedicated to providing applied financial knowledge and education, promoting lifelong learning and advocating for ethical standards for the benefit of society. I'm George Nichols III, President and CEO, and I encourage you to listen and subscribe to this and other college podcasts as we continue to expand our horizons in this digital landscape. Remember, no matter what, we are always stronger together. Visit theamericancollege.edu to learn how you can be part of the change we're building. And we're back. Matt, we'll pick up right where we left off. You know, as we talk about some of these topics in the conversation and and just sort of a side funny story, I think about the folks that were coming out of college, coming into the intern program that I was running for first part of my time in financial services, and they knew way more than I did about beta and rate of return. And they could explain these complex conversations around investments but they would come to me and ask me about how to rent an apartment, you know, and it was just this sort of basic stuff that they didn't understand. So I feel like financial literacy sort of comes into play in these conversations, Matt. Yeah. And you mentioned this thing earlier of uh, working with millennial clients. I just want to plug millennials and say, we are the most financially literate generation that's currently living right now. So we do know quite a bit and we also know what we don't know and we want to learn even more. So that you had people coming to you asking about renting an apartment, a conversation that I've had who knows how many dozens or hundreds of times as well. There are so many things that we can help these 20-year-olds with that are not those traditional, what's the beta of your portfolio kind of question. And there's a few ways financial literacy can come in. Certainly just educating our clients is something that we would do. It's something that any financial advisor would do. With your 20-somethings, your 30-somethings, I think there is a desire, a craving for financial literacy that maybe someone in their 60s or 50s doesn't have as much, which then makes an opportunity for bringing new clients in. Go out and teach financial literacy. Go out and give these talks in your community. Meet these people who are interested about this stuff, and then you can convert those people into clients. Talk about the issues that they care about. Talk about how you can save them a few hundred bucks a month if they just plan out their rent a little differently. And that few hundred bucks a month might completely pay for your fee. And then everything else on top of that is pure profit from the client's point of view. There are so many folks who want to learn more. We've got entire websites like your nerd wallet with something like 3 million unique hits every month. There are plenty of folks out there who want this help. Go and talk to them. 
I love that. Where do you find are some of those biggest gaps? A lot of our time, we've had supercomputers in our pockets to be able to look up anything that we want to know immediately, figure out how to budget, how to buy a house, right? All of those things are available online to us, but there's obviously gaps. So what are those biggest gaps that you see in terms of our financial literacy? Well, everywhere, everything. (laughs) I think some more than others. Because of things like Nerd Wallet and Credit Karma, I think we're now better with credit cards than we used to be. I think Investopedia and Robinhood and some of these others, I think we're better with investment management than we used to be. Certainly not everyone, right? There's definitely gaps here. Something that I hardly ever hear anything about is what we started this off with. How do you raise your income? I don't know any single resource where I would recommend people go This is the all you need to know about raising your income. And yet for our young clients, that is the single biggest issue for them. If you have someone who's 25 making 100 grand a year, their entire life is different than the same 25-year-old making only 50 grand a year. Just raising income is so crucial, so valuable. And that's something that we financial advisors don't often talk about. You get good with that. You understand ways to raise your client's income and you are going to get business, more business than you can handle. It sort of seems obvious, Matt, when you say that, right? And I know through a couple of the projects I do with young women in in colleges and universities, this is one of the hottest topics, right? We talk about salary negotiation and, you know, I've had, when we go do this, even professors at these colleges, it'll come up to me and be like, oh my God, Alana, I needed to know that in my own salary negotiation, you know, grown professional women with education and, and years of experience. So it's definitely a thing you think if you help your clients raise their income, that sort of lends itself to them paying you whatever your fee is, if you can help them to earn more money, right? Easy. And then they have more money to pay you and to invest. And eventually these clients are going to grow up with you. They're going to get older with you and grow their wealth with you. And this is a get rich, slow business. You make those relationships, you establish the trust, they'll stick with you. Eventually you can switch away from a subscription model, switch over to AUM and just watch your own income go through the roof. I love it. So Matt, to sort of wrap up this conversation, right, as we talk about busting this myth of you have to work with pre-retirees if you're going to come into this industry as a financial professional, what do you think colleges or universities can do with helping to bridge that gap or bust that myth? We mentioned at the beginning of this podcast how we focus so much on retirement planning, and we could, even if just as an elective, start addressing more of these issues. How do you help your clients raise their income? How do you help them get over that hurdle and invest for the very first time? How do you help them make the decisions about do you rent or do you buy? We can actually include that content that's really laser focused on issues for young folks in a way that we haven't. And I think that is something that we here at the American College can consider, although our average student at the college is in their 30s or 40s. A lot of folks are a little bit older here. For those universities, like right across the street from me, University of Georgia has one of the best financial planning programs for undergrads. Those folks coming out of that are 21, 22 years old. Focusing on retirement planning as a 21-year-old, trying to get clients who are 60 years old to pay you to manage their retirement, they might look at you like you're my grandkid 
or something. Like, why am I going to listen to you? You're a baby. I think there's an entire market out there for young clients. Other recent graduates, graduate students, future professionals are very young professionals. We can educate those young people, those young advisors, and how to find clients that look like them, that face the same issues that they do. And there's going to be a whole brand new career opening up for those people. I think that's so cool. I mean, how many new classes or electives could we add to the curriculum of any given college? So sign me up for teaching the salary negotiation class. I, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. So Matt, thanks for sharing your thoughts and ideas with us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. This has been Next Gen in 10, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services.